Blog Talk Radio. My name is Lisa Iannucci, and not only am I the founder and host of this podcast, I'm also the author of On Location, the Film and TV Lovers Travel Guide, which you can order on Amazon or get an autographed copy through Oblong Books in Rhinebeck, New York. You can go to their website at oblongbooks.com and order. In case you missed it, the big announcement on last week's show, I'll be appearing at Book Expo in New York City at the end of May, Thursday, May 31st, to be precise. So visit www.bookexpoamerica.com to get your tickets and keep up to date about the other guests and author signings that will be happening. Honestly, it's so much fun. Don't miss it. I'll have more details about my appearance soon. But for now, I just got back from a much-needed one-week vacation to Chicago, and I had so much fun. My blog, thevirgintraveler.com, will have more specific articles about my experiences up on the site soon, so look for those. But I want to give you some highlights of my trip. I had a chance to visit the Art Institute of Chicago, and if you're a film buff, you'll know what makes this experience even more fun. There is a special connection here to the iconic 1980s movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, starring Matthew Broderick. And in one scene of the movie, Ferris's buddy Cameron can be found staring at this painting that hangs in the Art Institute. So, of course, being film buff that I am, I had to go and replicate the exact same scene while I was there. So I'm going to be posting that, too. But the Art Institute as a whole is definitely worth a few hours of your time. It's just so it has so many different exhibits. No matter what your taste is in art, you're going to find something there that's going to impress you, intrigue you. We walked around for four hours and didn't see every exhibit. Don't worry, there is a place to eat there. The food is magnificent. Um, and, of course, you can take breaks in between things that you're looking at. But definitely check it out. My daughter, Samantha, and I went to the Navy Pier where she rode the Ferris wheel, and it's the same one that's mentioned in the book Divergent, which, of course, as everybody knows, became a major motion picture. The wheel has actually been remodeled, but it's still the same wheel. Walking down the pier even further, I had a statue alert. Um, You know, when you write a book, you, you can't get every single thing in it as much as you try. You're always going to find something after the book is done that you wish you had included, And as much as I did my research, I did not know about the statue of the psychologist, the fictional Bob Hartley, played by Bob Newhart. Um, And if if you know the show Bob Newhart, it's back in the 70s, and it was a very popular show, obviously. And Bob Hartley is actually this bronze statue, and there's a bronze couch of him um, next to it, so I do what probably every tourist has done. I laid on a couch so Bob could be my therapist. 
And if you text the number on the statue, you get a phone call back from Bob Newhart talking about Chicago. So that was really fun. And again, something that I was not aware of, learned something new every time. And I, of course, took my statue alert and my selfie. Now, I said my Cupcake Wars obsession, I am a, you know, if they don't bring that show back, I mean, really, I know they've done some celebrity versions of Cupcake Wars, but come on, bring the show back. I have a Cupcake obsession, and Cupcake Wars was an obsession of mine. So, of course, while I was in Chicago, I visited that particular store for Sprinkles Cupcakes and Yum!, and another yum goes to Wildberry Cafe, which is located near Millennium Park. There are no words. We waited. We were told we'd have a 10 to 15-minute wait. We waited probably more, about 20, 25 minutes to get in. But the pancakes and the French toast that I had there was delicious. So if you're in Chicago, definitely grab a cupcake. Definitely grab some pancakes. Of course, you got to grab some pizza. We went to Giordano's for deep dish pizza. We actually went twice. And very good. Um, I, I don't want to start a pizza war on my show, but I can tell you that for deep dish pizza, yes, it was very good. I like my regular New York style pizza a little bit better. My daughter liked the deep dish pizza. <laughs> so it's a feud in our house as to which one was better. But it was still fun to try, and I'll eat pizza every day of the week. So that's good. And the rest of our journey, we went to the Museum of Broadcast Communications, which actually was one of my favorite places to go and a highlight of my trip. I had a chance to see the Saturday Night Live exhibit that's there until the end of the year and even had a photo taken at the weekend update desk with Jimmy Fallon. I'll share that on my website, too. Uh, it looks like I'm promoting my book there. So, But I really did. I really did meet Jimmy Fallon. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, but it is a fantastic exhibit. And the rest of the museum took me through the entire life of my life of television from a kid watching Bozo the Clown when I was little. All right, I was born in the 60s, so of course I was watching Bozo the Clown, to Friends and other television shows. It just took you back and it showed you the history um, and all the different great shows that we've had um, in, the ba- in the past and what they've meant to us. Um, so it's an awesome place, well worth the money if you're a film and television buff. Last year, the Writers Museum Museum opened up in Chicago, and I really didn't expect to have the emotional experience that I did when I first started walking around. To have a place that honors writers that I've looked up to and inspired to be like was amazing. There are some that deserve a place there, but who are missing, and I'll get into that in a later article. But it's a terrific museum that you really need to see. It probably would take you maybe a couple of hours to just like maybe one or two hours to see the whole thing, depending on how much uh, time you take. They have some interactive exhibits. So if you're going to sit down and play the word games for quite a while, of course, you're going to spend a little bit more time there. But it's definitely going to at least take a couple of hours to get through everything. Uh, Writers make such an impact on the world. And in a time of our lives where a very important person in our country puts down our value as journalists and writers, This museum puts journalists, novelists, and other writers on a level of importance. And a lot of these writers wrote books um, and and pieces that became major motion pictures or TV shows. So that's also really cool to to check out. I also stepped into the Gene Siskel Film Center, and they had a film festival going on, but I took a peek there. And they have many more film festivals coming up. So if you're in the area, you could always go see a special film festival right at the Gene Siskel Film Center. 
I took a tour of the Chicago Theater, which literally took my breath away. That place is exquisite. And I got to go on stage in the green room where some of my favorite performers, such as Carol Burnett and Jerry Lewis, have sat. Like I said, I ate deep dish pizza. I signed a few copies of my book at the local Barnes & Noble. I'll get into much more on my blog, but those are the highlights. Great fun, but I really understand why Chicago is windy, called the Windy City. Wow. Special thanks to the Art Institute of Chicago, the Museum of Broadcast Communication, and the Writers Museum, who all provided me with press passes. Do not influence my opinion about how great it was to be in each of these places. Thank you so much. I also want to give a shout-out to the Courtyard by Marriott, Chicago, downtown River North. They're located at 30 East Hubbard Street in Chicago. Now, full disclosure, I did not receive any media rates to stay here or any comp rooms. I found them by doing my research. They were $500 cheaper for the week than other hotels that I was looking at. I was concerned when you find a discount, is it really going to be a good hotel? But needless to say, needless to say, I'd stay there again in a heartbeat. It was clean, it was nice, but it was the staff that made this trip for us. They welcome you when you come back from being out for the day. They, every time, every time you walk through the door, they're like, welcome back, how was your day? They're sweet and kind, and when my daughter lost her phone in a cab, they sprang into action to help us find it. I've had good stays at hotels with nice staff, but this was a great stay at a great hotel with fantastic staff. Kudos to all of you there who treated us like we were five-star guests. So before we get to this week's interview, let's give a shout-out to this week's Real Travel sponsor, Greg Antonell and his company, Mickey Travels. Mickey Travels is an authorized Disney vacation planner and one of the select few travel agencies in the world to be designated by Disney destinations with platinum earmark status. They are nationally recognized as a leader in planning magical Disney vacations, and their services are always 100% free. Visit their website at mickeytravels.com or find them on Twitter at Mickey Travels. I got to tell you, I was watching TV and I saw that Disney World in Florida opened up the Toy Story Park. Look, I know my kids have grown up and they're too old to, to even watch Toy Story. Okay, that's not true. They're, they're in their 20s and they watch Toy Story all the time and so do I. Great movie. Can't wait to go check out that park. If you want to go down there and do that, definitely call Greg Antonell and his company, company Mickey Travels. So finally, on this week's episode of Real Travels, I had such a fun conversation with Joanna Wilson, who's a pop culture expert, a book author on Christmas TV and movies, and someone who loves to travel and see film and TV sites like I do. She'll talk about the great places she's been to and her awesome books, especially, this is the one that got my attention, The Triple Dog Dare. And if you are a film buff, you will know where that came from. So here's my interview with Joanna. Enjoy. So this week's guest on Real Travels is Joanna Wilson, who's the author of several books, Tis the Season TV, The Christmas TV Companion, Merry Musical Christmas, and The Triple Dog Dare. And her website is christmastvhistory.com. And I have to tell you, it's a time suck, but a good time suck. And I'm going to talk to Joanna about that because I want to blame her for my lack of productivity today because of her website. So welcome to the show, Joanna. <laughs> well, let me explain just so, first of all, my audience knows. I actually stumbled across you when I was doing research on a Christmas story house for an article I was working on, and I fell in love with your website. And you think about 
Christmas. It looks like all year long, right? Right. Uh, there's so much Christmas entertainment. It, I do my research and and I'm writing about Christmas all year all year long. I think you have a job that everybody in the world would want to just think about Christmas. I mean, you, can you even have a bad day when you're thinking about Christmas and Christmas things all year long? I mean, do you have bad days? <laughs> Actually, yeah, it, it it picks me up every day, uh, and it's it's a it is a nice job to have. I'm I've fallen into something that uh, really is a nice thing. I, for me, it's a wonderful thing. I think for other people, uh, it might be a nightmare, but uh, I think it's fantastic. Nothing makes me feel better every day when I know I'm gonna, you know, watch another happy ending and uh, you know be surrounded by Christmas all year long. Yeah. You know, you're right, because some people, after a few weeks of Christmas music and Christmas shopping and Christmas movies and all this stuff, I hear them say, I've had enough, I can't wait until the 1st of January, and I look at them like they have 10 heads because I don't get it. Um, I have a son who start. he's 24 years old. He actually, as soon as it turns October 1st, he says that's his day. He'll start playing Christmas music and he'll play it all the way through the middle of January. And he's 24. He loves it. He doesn't care what anybody thinks, but he does have people who look at him like he's crazy. How can you play it and talk about it for so long? But is why would we get so upset about that? It's a happy thing. Yeah, it feels good to feel good. Uh, at the same time, I had to grow into it. It didn't always, you know, when I first started doing this research, the first couple of years that I was doing it year-round, it, it was kind of a challenge. But now I just love it. It, it is a feel-good uh, motivator every day of the year. Let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get into what how much of a time suck your website is but (laughs) um (laughs) let's get into a little bit you said you kind of fell into it so how did all that happen well i'm just the biggest pop culture junkie um i went i got a film degree uh got a bachelor's degree in film studies um i studied philosophy along the way have a master's degree in philosophy but i knew i wanted to be a writer and a researcher and i had friends that wrote about film, and I was sort of looking for my own pop culture project, and um, now it's been, you know, a really long time. Uh, Since the year 2000, 2001, um, I took on Christmas Entertainment. I uh, just stumbled across um, another book that was about the history of the animation company, uh, Rankin Bass. Um, Rankin Bass did an awful lot of uh, animation uh, for the, you know, they did Saturday morning cartoons, they did uh, TV specials, um, they did theatrical release movies, but everybody remembers them um, for their Christmas specials. They did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 1964, they did Frosty the Snowman in 69. Anyway, somebody wrote a book about the history of this animation company, I fell in love with it, began doing my own uh, research on Christmas entertainment in general and um, wanted to explore that. And I ended up turning my personal project into something more professional, which ended up being the encyclopedia, uh, Tis a Season TV. And um, never looked back. Uh, Christmas enter- there is so much uh, Christmas entertainment. There is, it's a growing field. Uh, there's more Christmas entertainment made every year, 
and uh, doing this research and talking about it and adding commentary. Um, it's certainly uh, a project that could <laughs> certainly sustain and, and last my lifetime. Well, let me ask you, too, because let's go back to – I'm going to go back to your childhood. Because as a kid, I, I every year at Christmas time, I had to watch these particular shows, Frosty the Snowman, A Charlie Brown Christmas, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. If I didn't see each one of them at Christmas time, it just didn't feel like Christmas. And I've carried that my whole life, and even as an adult, my holidays don't feel right if I don't see these shows, and now my kids feel the same way. When you were a kid, what was the Christmas entertainment like for you? What couldn't you live without? Oh, yeah. I mean, the titles you mentioned, you know, A Charlie Brown Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, I remember my sister and I, I was very young, but my sister and I already had a tradition. Um, we loved waiting for... Uh, the 1971 TV movie, The Homecoming, mm-hmm. which you know was, which went on to inspire the TV show The Waltons, which we were big fans of. So The Homecoming was a big deal. We had to catch that, and we also had to catch The House Without a Christmas Tree. Oh yeah, another TV movie from the from the early 70s. And uh, yeah, if if we missed those, the once they aired, <laughs> you know, a year um, in the in the 70s, yeah, that was it for Christmas. Um, to be honest, I even remember, you know, one year I missed The Grinch and I was crying, but I was in college. (laughs) 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 That's funny. I I still feel that tug, you know, you want to watch that one Christmas special on TV when it airs, even if you have it on TV, you know, even if you can watch it streaming on Netflix, it doesn't matter. You want to watch it on TV, if you miss it, uh, yeah, your Christmas is thrown off schedule. See, that's the one thing that today's generation has that's better than what we had is because, like you said, if you missed it, you were, you know, as a kid or a college kid, you were crying because you, you missed your favorite show and there was no Netflix and DVRs and even at times VHS to go back and watch it again. Now I can put my TV on and go watch Elf if I want to because it's on my DVR. I could watch it anytime I want. That's exciting. Do you think it kind of takes away a little bit of anything from being able to just watch anything at any time? I, I, you know, everybody's different, and everybody's got their own traditions. But I think the point is that it's a tradition, however you do it. If it's, you know, going back and rewatching Elf every year, whether you watch it on TV or you watch it on your DVD player, you know, whether you watch it with your kids or you watch it with your parents or whatever it is, it just becomes a tradition. And setting up those traditions of watching our favorite Christmas entertainments, that's what Christmas is all about. And that's how we tap into the Christmas spirit. I love that. And you're right. And speaking of traditions, I, I want, you know, we've talked about your your books. I mentioned your books and, and I want to get into a little bit more about them too. But a Christmas story is a tradition for a lot of people who can't miss it every year. And there's that marathon that comes on and it's every, you know, it just runs all day long. 
tell me how you came up with Triple Dog Dare to actually watch the 24-hour marathon of A Christmas Story. Tell me the story behind this book, please. (laughs) Well, since I'm the, you know, the author, the writer about Christmas entertainment, I get interviewed um, an awful lot every year Christmas time, and people's um, journalists often ask me about a Christmas story, and they say, do you watch the 24-hour marathon? And I always answer, you know, I used to answer the same way. Well, I put it on. It's my tradition with my family. You know, once it comes on on Christmas Eve, we tune in and it's on, but it's on in the background. I don't watch the whole 24-hour marathon. I mean, who would do that? Nobody does that. We go about our family celebrations, but it's on in the background. I watch it once, maybe twice. Um, we laugh at the same jokes every time, you know. And, and But I imagine that's how everybody in America watches it. It's just sort of on in the background while we go about our, our family celebrating, opening gifts and eating and, and catching up with family and, and that sort of thing. But um, and so one more time, you know, one more year, a journalist asked me the same question if I, if I watch the 24-hour marathon and I explain one more time the same answer. And I was joking with my editor, um, you know, again, this year I got asked these same questions. Who would ever watch the whole 24-hour marathon? And it just sort of sparked something, and my editor said, go do it. So what I did was I recreated the 24-hour marathon, and I watched the movie with commercials uh, 12 times in a row, back-to-back, across that 24 hours, just to experience what it would be if one were to watch that. And that turned into an, its, its own adventure, and I documented that process. And since I'm, um, you know, got my head in Christmas entertainment, um, you know, all Christmas movies and all Christmas specials, I added that sort of commentary and that sort of perspective uh, on what Christmas entertainment is all about and, and the success story of Christmas uh, movies in general and uh, added some speculations and that uh project became Triple Dog Dare, which came out in 2016. That's awesome. Is there, to this day, can you quote from that movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> That's who, amazing. Who can't? And you don't have to watch the movie, you know, 12 times in a row um, to to quote the, be able to quote the movie. And you know, I had seen the movie before. I mean, who hasn't seen the movie before? The movie's more than 30 years old. But that movie, and it's, um, that movie just continues to grow in popularity. And even after 30 years, it's still, I mean, it's grown to be bigger than it's ever been. Uh, it's a very unique phenomenon. On a side note, though, you also got to travel. We're going to start talking a little bit about your travel because you go around. You're you're kind of like me when you go out on the road. You got to find something that has to do with film and television. And you actually went to the Christmas Story House and Museum. Tell everybody about that because we actually had one of the spokespeople on uh, Real Travels prior to our interview, uh, and so everybody knows a little bit about it. What was your experience there? Well, I mean that's <laughs> that's a phenomenal trip for someone like me. Um, yeah, I actually live um, 30 minutes, uh, 30 miles south of Cleveland, Ohio. I live in Akron, Ohio, so I've lived not far from um, the Christmas Story House and Museum. 
and I'm actually old enough. I remember when the um, a, a film company came to <laughs> Cleveland to shoot those exterior shots. Uh, I remember they put a call out for extras. Um, I was a teenager, and my family, I remember my dad reading it in the newspaper. Hey, they're going to shoot a movie in Cleveland. Should we go up there and see if we can be extras? <laughs> and I remember it was January, and, and we were like, nah. Little, little did I ever know I would grow up and end up writing about um, <laughs> Christmas movies for my living. So that's kind of a funny um, <laughs> moment that I completely, opportunity that I completely passed on. But, um, and... I mean, that's a big destination, and I've been to the museum many times. I mean, it's a fun place to go, uh, even if you're not a Christmas <laughs> entertainment writer. Um, and one of the things I love about going there is, you know, you can go in May, you can go in August, you know, any time of the year when you show up there. There'll be people from all over the world taking a tour alongside you. I just love that. It's, it's um, There are people all over that are fans of the Christmas story and want to connect with that pop culture destination in a more intimate way and experience, uh, you know, that fun fandom of that location um, in and Cleveland. You did the race, too. I saw a picture of you in your little pink bunny suit, and your boyfriend was also <laughs> dressed up, and you guys did the Christmas Story Run race. How was that? That's right. The 5K yep. uh, that they do every year, uh, the first weekend in December. And I did it the first year they did it because once I heard that they uh, were going to do something like that, I'm like, I signed up early. I, I got to be a part of that. I'm a runner. Um, all this sitting and watching TV all day long, I got to sit out for a long time. Um, I did it the first year, and then last year was the fifth anniversary, so I did it again. And that's so much fun. It is, uh, everybody that comes, comes in costume, and everybody's there to have a good time. It doesn't matter that it's cold every year. We're all, um, <laughs> in the Midwest here, we're ready for that kind of cold weather in December. But everybody is there to have fun. Uh, there are walkers, there are runners, and there are people with pets, and their kids, and their parents, and it's um, just a feel-good time. That's awesome. And I think you and I would get along really well because some of the places that you've been to and that you've talked about on this time suck of a blog of yours is um, <laughs> you've talked about going to Mork and Mindy's house in, in Boulder, which, I you know, is is awesome. It was like one of my favorite shows growing up as a kid. And you've been to the Lucille Ball birthday celebration. You do all these things. Like how often you get a chance to, to get out and, and actually go see these places? And what were some of your favorites? Well, I, um, I try to, I love to travel. So anywhere I go, even for another reason, even, you know, even if I'm visiting family or I'm visiting friends, I look for a pop culture destination along the way. And sometimes I do just travel just for, um, a pop culture uh, destination, whether it's a TV and film location or, um, you know, they've got a statue. I love finding statues. Um, <laughs> and I, I try to write um, for my website, I try to find, you know, something that's got a Christmas entertainment, uh, you know, lens to it. Um, you just mentioned I was out in Colorado. That was just last month. Yes, I stopped by the Morgan Mindy house, but I also, uh, when I was out there in Denver, I stopped at, I found a John Denver statue, and I definitely was, you know, 
in my head connecting to, you know, the wonderful Christmas TV specials mm-hmm. that John Denver uh, created. I am a huge fan of the John Denver Muppets Christmas special, Christmas Together. Absolutely. Um, yeah, 
so much of my childhood looking at your site and and it was just it was like you said it was such a good feeling going through this and remembering things that I had forgotten about for years and I loved it and your website is fantastic and if oh, people, thank you oh you're welcome and big accolades to you for this because it, it's just it's amazing and I'll tell you what my favorite ones are okay the besides the ones we talked about at the beginning um <laughs> i am a pop culture geek as well um and people out there might laugh at me but the shows when i was growing up that i used to love watching the christmas episodes on tv were mash because they were just so well done and believe it or not go ahead and laugh the facts of life I was a huge Facts of Life fan. I was a huge Laverne and Shirley fan. And when they did their Christmas episodes, it was just so much fun. And, of course, if you remember Christmas in the Big House and the Facts of Life, you know, when they go to the jail and they they sing for the prisoners there. And, okay, I don't know back then – they really should have told them that most of them really couldn't sing, but <laughs> it made for a very nice TV show. And I, I still, to this day now, because of uh, DVR and because of the shows that, um, you know, like TV land and things like that, I get to go back and watch them again. And that's so much fun. And those, did you ever watch any of those on MASH or The Facts of Life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like all of them. And, and, Funny you mention um, the Facts of Life, Christmas in the Big House, but also the Laverne and Shirley uh, first Christmas episode, um, Christmas in the Booby Hatch. Mm-hmm. Both of those are variety shows within a show, right? The characters yep. are putting on, you know, singing and dancing and putting on a show for, um, you know, in the Laverne and Shirley, they're at a, a mental hospital. And, you know, on Facts of Life, they're... At, at a prison, for, you know, a men's prison, putting on a show for the, the uh, prisoners there. But this is a phenomenon. This variety show within a show mm-hmm. is, a, is a Christmas favorite. The Dick Van Dyke show Christmas episode from 1963 is also a variety show within a show. Good Times did it. They um, put on a show in a taxi house, you know, for the taxi drivers on Christmas. Oh, yeah. Um, Car 54, where are you? They also, you know, the police, um, policemen, they put on a variety show. This is an old tradition uh, across many sitcoms that have, uh, has been done. Uh, One Day at a Time did it for New Year's for several years. Um, I love that tradition. So it's mm-hmm. funny you, you pulled out a couple of those. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, it's it's yeah. it's awesome. I mean, and and I don't know if it's done as much now as it was when we were growing up. I know a lot of the shows have Christmas episodes, and and maybe like you know, I know Will and Grace, for example, they didn't really do things like that. They incorporated the holidays into their comedy, but they didn't really you know, do like the show within a show kind of thing. Um, and it was just, it, 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 I miss it. I miss it. I wish that more TV shows today would do stuff like that. And maybe they are, and I haven't seen them, but I think it's gone kind of by the wayside. What do you think? Yeah, it's, that tradition isn't as popular anymore. Um, I, I know community, um, put together some Christmas musicals, but it's not a show within a show in the exact same way, but they still turn to music. Um, and a couple other shows on, on occasion, uh, will, 
comedy shows will go into, uh, they'll turn to music in new and inventive ways. But yeah, that variety show within a show uh, kind of phenomenon, uh, it's nice to look back at the old ones mm-hmm. um, and, and see that tradition. Absolutely. What are you working on now? I mean, you have these books out that people can go to your website and order. If you go to t- christmastvhistory.com, uh, Joanna has a page of links to all of her books. Uh, what are you working on now? Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Christmas entertainment is a growing field, and there are more um, Christmas programs made each year. It's a growing field. And so I'm actively, you know, I record everything that's new during the holidays, during November and December each year, and then I actually spend the spring now um, going back, rewatching these things, and adding them to the database I had to build about uh, Christmas entertainment. So I'm going back and watching all those Hallmark movies and summarizing them and adding cultural commentary and all the sitcoms, all the dramas, all, you know, everything all the new uh, TV specials, um, and uh, hopefully eventually that will be a part of, um, you know, a new edition of the encyclopedia. I don't know when that will be, but uh, I'll be prepared um, within the next couple of years to do that. That's so awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to tell our listeners about what you do or what you're writing about uh, before we let you go and get back to your busy, happy life? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, um, no, that's good. Excellent. Um, You know, it's it's funny. One of the things that I saw on your site, and it, it talked about the villains of Christmas, and I, I meant to ask you about that because as happy as Christmas shows are, so many of them have these amazingly wonderful villains, and I don't think it'd be Christmas without talking about what they make, you know, how, how, what kind of an impact they make on these shows. I mean, you look at the Abominable Snowman, for example, on Rudolph. I mean, he's supposed to be this big, scary guy, and when I was a kid, I was scared by it, but now he hangs on my Christmas tree. He's a little ornament on my Christmas tree because I came to realize that he's so cute, and (laughs) I had to put him on my Christmas tree. And talk a little bit about the villains and what makes them so special in these movies. Well, every story needs, you know, uh, a conflict, (laughs) and um, I was recently writing about our favorite Rankin-Bass Christmas villains, and I mentioned the Abominable Snow Monster, and um, Professor Hinkle, the magician in Frosty the Snowman, and these are characters that we've grown up with, Mm -hmm. you know, that have been around for uh, 50 years, or almost 50 years, and um, yes, sometimes they are frightening when we're real young. I certainly remember when the Bumble... Uh, you know, he gets his teeth cold. <laughs> yeah. That, that was very frightening to me. Uh, but, of course, I was, you know, I was five years old. I was four years old. This um, was very frightening. And, and, yeah, he's certainly, you know, uh, just a lovable character now that I'm older and adult. But I'm still <laughs> tech. I mean, so much of what I do is um, help people uh, tap into that nostalgia that they have for um Christmases of their youth and their childhood and help us remember what that was like and the pleasure that those Christmas memories bring us. And Mm -hmm. it's fun to look back and 
and reflect back on what all this uh, meant to us then and what it means to us now. And that's why I think that a site like yours and the work that you do is so amazing because you're not only bringing us the current stuff that's coming out, you go back and you reflect and you you bring those good feelings that I talked about at the beginning of of the episode. You know, talk to they just they come back and and they make you feel so good. And that's how I feel looking at your site. It's like I I think anytime I'm having that kind of a day, I'm just going to keep your site up on my bookmarks, just going to keep going back to it because it is such a feel good site. And I think, like I said, my readers and my listeners should go and, and check it out. And Joanna, you have been absolutely wonderful to have on the show. I think I can keep talking to you for hours, and I don't think that's good for your productivity. So I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much for coming on Real Travels and being a guest today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. This has been a great conversation. I We have so much in common. I love uh, looking and seeing where you've been, uh, too, and I'm taking pointers. I can't wait to explore <laughs> some new places. And when I get to Ohio, I am definitely going to set up lunch with you, and we will meet once and for all and talk about Christmas and TV and pop culture and everything, and we will definitely meet. How's that sound? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Joanna, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. I really did have a blast talking to Joanna, and we've exchanged books since then, and her site is really one of my favorites. I keep going back to it. So, Joanna, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Today's celebrity moment is with Antron Brown. He's a three-time national hot rod world champion and the first African-American auto racing champion. I had a chance to actually interview him for a sports article, and I'll post that article on another time. But we also talked about his favorite travel moment in a movie. Do you think it might have something to do with a car? This is Antron Brown, three-time in HRA Top Fuel World Champion. And my favorite TV scene travel moment was in Bullet with Steve McQueen when he drove the old-school Mustang, like jumping down the steep hills of San Francisco. It's one of my favorite scenes, old-school San Fran, right down there not too far from the pier is one of those scenes that will stick with me for my life. That's awesome. And it was a little different of a take as to what we were looking for, but I I looked up the movie. It's a 1968 movie. Um, It starred Steve McQueen, Robert Vaughn, Jacqueline Bissett. And, of course, the the hot rod driver is going to go to (laughs) to a car movie. What a surprise. But he was so much fun to talk to and such an inspiration. Um, you know, he, he's just breaking barriers left and right. So thanks, Antron. You can visit his website at antronbrown.com. I also want to give another big thank you to this week's sponsor, Greg Antonell and his company, Mickey Travels, LLC, out at mickeytravels.com. And I also want to say once again, thank you to Joanna Wilson. Please follow her on Twitter at TV. You can also follow me on Twitter at the Virgin not the Virgin Traveler, just at Virgin Traveler. And please, if you're listening to this podcast, please click follow so you can keep track of when I put a new episode up. I don't exactly have a a set date or time yet that I do them, but I would love for you to know as soon as I get one up there. Don't forget to order a copy of my book on Amazon or through Oblong Books. It's called On Location, a film and TV lover's travel guide. 
And we're going to, I promise you, we're going to put Christmas aside for a little while. We've done quite a few episodes about Christmas, but it was just fun talking to Joanna about some of the travel she's gone to. Um, and I can't wait to get to the Mark and Mindy house as well. Um, so I'm going to bring you more fun and excitement over the next few podcasts. And in the meantime, this is Lisa Iannucci of Real Travel. See you next time and get out and travel. Mm-hmm.